answer. Right. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. That was the thing that's sort of like, I love how we instantly just got sort of like NPR-ish. <laughs> Quiety. Like we're like paw tinkered out. What's the red light? To literally literary. Oh shit, I forgot about those rhymes. <laughs> Hello everyone. And welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us as always, Mr. Shankar. I am Joey Bonnier, and I can't find my notes, so here he is, flying Sean O'Brien. That was good. Mm. You could have just like, like, so okay, because you couldn't find your notes, yeah. you could have been by the seat of your pants flying. So good. When, when I used to work at the pizza chain that will not be named, we had the Flyin' Brian Spoodle, which was a very specific- Noodle. A, a, a Sorry, you just like rhymed a bunch for, in a row there, and, it was yeah. like, and my brain was like, ah, ah, <laughs> rhyme, rhyme, rhyme. <laughs> yep. Um, hi guys. Yep. How we doing? Good. Joe, you're drinking Heineken. I've yeah. never seen you drink beer before. That's not true. Are you able to? It's probably a lie. You're right. It's probably <laughs> a lie, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, don't I, know. I like beer. I just can't. I just don't like more than like two or three because I just get too full. I have six. Mm. It literally is drinking bread. Yeah, I never keep beer here, so that's probably why you don't. I, see th- it. I feel like Wheeler drinks. Or uh, Wheeler hasn't been here in forever as well. He's, really? Uh, yeah. The uh, where's he been? Um, not here. What a bitch. <laughs> or what a what a what a testicle. Yeah, yeah. Weak yeah. testicle. The, the TBC is on the uh, whenever we feel like it basis. Right on. Yeah. It's a good plan. Yeah. No, it's um, not. <laughs> As the only paying customer. <laughs> you are the Joey protest. Paying. Yeah. I'm the president of the fan club. <laughs> Joey and I are drinking Heineken, uh, brewed in Holland, premium quality, as it says in the bottle. Um, I'm just warming up. As you how could, you, how could anyone warming. brewed in Holland? Hmm? That's good. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like, be sad. Like brewed. Brooding, like uh, which which is almost good. Well, no, because like yeah, Denmark is Hamlet who broods the entire thing. Ugh. What did you do to it? You, you set him up for a crappy nerd joke. It didn't even work. He's gonna find a nerd joke no matter what. I <laughs> you're say. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Somehow everything relates to Shakespeare or Joyce or fucking yeah. Shakespeare is in Joyce. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's all a circle. My grandfather used to drink Heineken actually, and mm. I, I distinctly remember his burps more than I remember the smell of the beer. That's gross. That's yeah. Welcome to literally literary. Do you, you <laughs> do you have to share something? Do you need like a talking stick? Or? Anyway, I have books. That's good. <laughs> I'm gonna offer you guys two options here. Um, one, number three, Trump or, or Clinton? <laughs> Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. Uh, okay, they are in my mind. A giant herd or a shit sandwich? They're in my mind. All right, who do you vote for, Sean Fa? The giant herd. I, I vote for. I vote for Donald Trump. Oh, we're just literally, we do. literally yeah, door number one or door number two. Well, no, it's done now. Oh, Joey just did okay. It. Well, I he mean, is I, the decider. I'm not going to do it in real life, so you know, might as well have fun now. <laughs> um, so to clarify, by the way, the, the Hillary Clinton one was the nerdy one. Uh, so I have a bunch of shit, but I will leave it. So Trump is the cool one. Yep. Oh no, no, it's not cool. It's actually a callback from last episode, which I was very glad that you said Trump. Because when, when you said the two in my head. Oh, Jesus. wait, now I'm happy. Now so, I'm happy. Uh, I have with me Absalom, Absalom by William Faulkner. Mm. I have, nope, that's from the- Happy yet. I have uh, <laughs> East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I have The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Man, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I have The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. There was a man in a boat and he chased the fish 
and he tried to catch the I fish. have No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. Hmm. I that have, was a uh, movie. The Scarlet Letter and Selected Tales by Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's an A. And I have Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. I think that's everything. Hang on. <laughs> oh. I I guess we have to go with uh, Aunt Coulter. Wait, what? That was a good callback for a thing that he only found out about tonight. And I don't even get should. the joke. What? I don't... Aunt Coulter was the uh, the the fucking joke. Oh, Uncle Tom. Correspondence. Holy shit! Sorry. Correspondence. It was a it was a multiple. It was good. Okay. It was layers. A six. It was. Let's not go crazy. Uh, no, 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 no. It was like a three. <laughs> out of ten. It's a, it's yeah. a three comedically, oh, okay. but it maybe. Yeah. Uh, oh no, comedically, I meant actually even levels. Oh. Oh no. I, don't, I just meant what? That. Just yeah. What levels is God. You're such oh, a fucking spellcasting level. He's what such the a fuck? nerd. Can you read Uncle Tom's Cabin, Uncle please? Uncle Tom's Cabin, <laughs> my Harry features. Oh, did you say this? The Fitzgerald joke. I did. All right, good. <laughs> I love that you made sure. <laughs> Before I read this, let's make sure we did our fucking I joke. I forgot to hear. I was looking for the other things. Can we start the show, actually? I'm having trouble. All right, I have a white Russian here, which has to get finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to do it while Uncle pour, Tom's Cabin, I think. I don't, pour some Fernet in there. It's like, uh, it's like a bummer, man. That's good. <laughs> I know. We were talking about Jeff Lebowski. The thing. Mm. I, I well. It's just here, I guess. I'll finish it up. Little Lebowski's Urban Achievers. It'll be my it'll be my dessert for whatever. All right. So I have beer for this, which is the right thing to drink with Uncle Tom's Cabin, I want to say. I don't know about the Holland situation, but. Why would that be the right thing to drink? Shut up. I feel. Okay. <laughs> Applejack is what you're thinking? No, I just. I, I'm teasing you. I, I know. don't know that there would have been a lot of, like, if you're just the, the transportation of beer seems inefficient if you're trying to, uh, you know, keep hidden the amount of alcohol you're consuming. This is, this is like long before that. I, th- I don't think it was prohibition. It was oh. shitload. This is like way oh, before that. Yeah. In fact, according what, to the this back. Is, this is slavery. What? Yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote. So this is the little lady who made this big war. End quote. Abraham Lincoln's legendary comment upon meeting Harriet Beecher Stowe demonstrates the significant place Uncle Tom's Cabin holds in American history and literature. I guess I just see like the beer as being more of like a pub thing, and I don't see slaves as being in the pub. Stowe's timeless and moving novel inflamed the passions and prejudices of countless numbers and fanned the embers of the struggling between uh, free states and slave states into the flame of the Civil War. Uncle Tom's Cabin is the story of the slave Tom. Devout and loyal, he is sold and sent down south where he must endure brutal treatment at the hands of the degenerate plantation owner, Simon Legree. By exposing the extreme cruelties of slavery, Stowe explored society's failures and asks a a profound question. What is it to be a moral human being? Relevant today as the novel that helps to move a nation to battle, Uncle Tom's Cabin is a powerful, triumphant work that is an essential part of the collective experience of the American people. Uh, have either of you ever read, or Joey, have you ever read this? I have not, and it's something I've wanted to, and good correction. <laughs> Thank you. Um, me neither. I don't know if I've ever wanted to, I guess. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that it was, I guess I always assumed that it was like so, a, go ahead. It's the most, it was the most popular novel in the Civil War, during mm-hmm. the Civil War. So that's why I always knew about it. Really? Yeah. By on both far. sides or? Mm, well, I'm going to south. But Okay. Well, then that makes me like it a little bit more, obviously. Yeah. Well, no, For she, some reason, she's I obviously an abolitionist. Was... Um, 
and she was very famous in the abolition. She was like a hero of the abolition move, abolitionist movement. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't realize it was current with time. I thought it was, you know, something written a hundred years after the fact or something. No, she was a contemporary. So basically, yeah, in, uh, I think in 1863, actually, when the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect, you know, on, G- on G- January 1st, there was a big meeting of all the abolitionists, William Lloyd Garrison and Frederick Douglass. And she showed up at this big, like, theater, and they had, like, a huge celebration, and everyone stood up, supposedly, and gave her, like, a standing ovation. So she's, like, the star of the abolitionist movement. So she was a big deal. I don't know. And that's so that's pr- the reason why I've always been upset that I never read it is because I'm uh, obsessed with civil war yeah, history. Obviously weren't that upset. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's not, it's not like it's hard to come by. Nah, I mean, I'm not crying. <laughs> well, it is, you know, 500 pages or so. Um, all right. Well, that's good to know. All right. Well, let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. 485 pages for the record. Boring. Don't prejudge. There's an <laughs> enormous introduction, which I will skip. Let's yeah. just go to it. That usually seems to be a good idea. There's a preface to the first edition. So I don't, preface. There's a preface to the first edition. Is that necessary? I can't really tell. A preface? The first edition? Yeah, a preface to, this, to the first edition, it says. Like new edition? Um, At this point, I would sing a song, but I really don't know any I, new edition yeah, songs. Yeah, I could. I was racking my brain trying to figure out what the fucking really new, edition new edition song is. I don't know new edition song. That's a shame. Yeah, no idea, man. I am going to skip the preface. Something I should know. And I feel like... <laughs> I should have read Harry Beecher Stowe. <laughs> you should have known new edition. <laughs> On a quick glance, I think it's important. Maybe we'll read it at the very end of this, but... um, I. I think it's important, but I'm going to skip it. Um, let's just go straight. Cool to it now. I'm, I missed that joke. <laughs> We're not going to go back, so you should move forward. <laughs> Chapter one. <clears throat> In which the reader is introduced to a man of humanity. Aren't all men of humanity? Um, Ooh, that's a maybe. good question. What Mr. time? Sir? Yeah, I mean. It's uh, no at time, not necessarily speaking. Not everyone held that view. Yeah. Sean's looking at me, like asking me for more, but at the same time, knowing the answer <laughs> and assuming we should talk about it, but knowing that we're not going to. You're answering different questions than I would a- was asking. Well, what were you asking? No, I mean, just like a, a man of humanity, like a, a, a human person is what that translates to to me. But I, I understand the connotation that some were not considered human by others, but I was making the larger commentary. Sean O'Brien is nodding. Yeah. Joey is shrugging. Jokes are so much funnier when you explain them. Late in the afternoon of a chilly day in February, two gentlemen were riding alone over their wine. In and a they well, weren't alone. In a, well-furnished, in a well-furnished dining parlor in the town of P. Blank. Then there's a huge dash. Tape. Adelphia? In Kentucky. Philadelphia, Kentucky. Totally. There were no servants present. And the gentlemen, with chairs closely, closely approaching, seemed to be discussing some subject with great earnestness. For convenience sake, we have said hitherto, two gentlemen. One of the parties, however, when critically examined, did not seem, strictly speaking, to come under the species he was a short, thick-set man with coarse, commonplace features and that swaggering air of pretension which marks a low man who was trying to elbow his, elbow his way upward in the world. He was much overdressed in a gaudy vest of many colors, a blue neckerchief, 
bedropped gaily with yellow spots and arranged with a flaunting tie, quite in keeping with the general air of the man. His hands, large and coarse, were plentifully bled bedecked. Bedecked, <laughs> sorry. They weren't small bedecked. hands? No. His hands, I large, assure you, I guarantee huge, you. No huge, problem. beautiful, <laughs> were plentifully bedecked with rings. And he wore a heavy gold watch chain and a bundle of seals of portentous size and a great variety of colors attached to it, which, in the ardor of conversation, does a pretentious seal wear a monocle? He was in the habit of flourishing and jingling with evident satisfaction. His conversation was in free and easy defiance of Murray's grammar and was garnished at convenient intervals with various profane expressions, which not even the desire to be graphic in our account shall induce us to transcribe. His companion, Mr. Shelby, had the appearance of a gentleman and the arrangements of the house and the general air of the housekeeping indicated easy and even opulent circumstances. Does gentlemen have a specific definition that I am, like, failing to apply? Like, beyond just a dude? As we before stated, the two, that's a great question. As we before stated, <laughs> the, two, the two were in the midst of an earnest conversation. Does it mean, like, white guy? That is the way I should arrange the matter, said Mr. Shelby. I can't make the trade that way. Positively can't, Mr. Shelby said the other, holding up a glass of wine between his eye and the light. Why, the fact is, Haley, Tom is an uncommon fellow. He is certainly worth the sum anywhere. Steady, honest, capable. Manages my whole farm like a clock. You mean honest as niggas go, said Haley, helping himself to a glass of brandy. No. I feel like this whole show is just an excuse for you to say the N-word. No, I mean... Really? Tom is good. Steady, sensible, pious fellow. He got religion at camp meeting four years ago, and I believe he really did get it. I've trusted him since then with everything I have, money, house, horses, and let him come and go around the country, and I always found him true and square and everything. I hate that I have to say that. I figured I'd fucking, <laughs> fucking N-word to be peppered throughout this whole thing. Uh, it is what You're the is, one man. that committed to the fucking, uh, uh, I don't even know what that is. I mean, the, it, the it is what it is, man. It, look, it, look, it is what word. it is. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it this way. If it's in a book and that's You'll what it is. You'll take a look. It's Reading Rainbow. Sure. If this was in a movie, we wouldn't have a problem with it. Sure, we would. Well, if wait, O'Brien what? was saying it, we would. Wait, what? We would have a problem if this was a movie about 1860, in 1861, if someone said the N-word? It's not a, it's not a problem. People had a problem with fucking Leo. Did they? No, they didn't. I know they didn't. I mean, problems, maybe a couple people. Yeah, people, had, people had a problem with fucking people Tarantino with and Pulp yeah, Fiction exactly. saying it. Yeah. But like Leo and Django, no. I assume they might have said it was gratuitous. They might have said that. Like it was just, and it usually is. And but this is Uncle Tom's fucking cabin. This was happening then. So you know. And more importantly, it's an abolitionist book. To protect ourselves from a word is doing no service to anyone. And to say the N word only makes the listener say the word in their head. I know. I I just wish we had more. There's no winning. (laughs) I wish we had more black people on the show. Well, the only winning is to (laughs) we can talk about it. Well, the only winning is to point it out. Uh, some folks don't believe there's pious niggas, Shelby, said Haley with a candid flourish of his hand, but I do. I had a fellow now, and this year, last, uh, uh, last lot, I took to Orleans. To as good as meeting now, really, to hear that critter pray. He was quite Gentile and quite like. 
He fetched me a good sum, too, for I bought him a cheap for a man that was obliged to sell out, so I realized 600 on him. Yes, I consider religion a valuable thing, and nigga, when it's a genuine article, and no mistake. Well, Tom's real, I think I mixed them up, shit. Whatever. Uh, well, Tom's real article, if ever a fellow had, they all looked rejoined alike. the other. Oh, no, I was right. Rejoined the other. Well, last fall, I let him go to Cincinnati alone to do business for me and bring home $500. Tom, says I to him, I trust you because I think you're a Christian. I know you wouldn't cheat. Tom comes back, sure enough. I knew he would. Some low fellows, they say, to, uh, they say said to him, Tom, why don't you make tracks for Canada? Ah, master trusted me, and I couldn't, they told me about it. I'm sorry to part with Tom, I must say. You ought to let him cover the whole balance of the debt, and you would, Haley, if you had any conscience. <laughs> well, I got just as much conscience as a man can afford to keep. Just a little, you know, to swear by, as twere, said the traitor, jac- said the traitor jocularly. And then I'm ready to do anything. Jocularly? Oh. Jokingly. Uh, and then I'm ready to do anything in reason to blige, friends. But is in one who wears a jock strap? This year, you see, is a little too hard on a fellow. Little too hard. The, the trader sighed contemplatively and poured out some more brandy. That's what we should be drinking. Well then, Haley, how will you trade? said Mr. Shelby after an uneasy interval of silence. Well, haven't you a boy or a gal that you could throw in with Tom? Huh. None that I would well spare to tell the truth. It's only hard necess- uh, necessity makes me willing to sell it all. I don't like part with any of my hands. That's fact. Here the door opened, and a small quadroon boy, between four and five years of age, entered the room. What, was what was that word? Quadroon? Small quadroon boy. Uh, uh, a half. Er, I'm sorry, a quarter uh, black. Oh, quarter black? I believe so. Interesting. Or a quarter white, a quarter of something. Uh, between four and five years of age, entered the room. There was something in his appearance remarkably beautiful and engaging. His black hair, fine as floss silk, hung in glossy curls around his, brown, his round, dimpled face, while a pair of large, dark eyes, full of fire and softness, <clears throat> look out from beneath the rich, long lashes as he peered curiously into the apartment. A gay robe of scarlet and yellow plaid, carefully made and neatly fitted, set off to advantage the dark and rich style of his beauty, and a certain comic air of assurance, blended with bashfulness, showed that he had been not unused to being petted and noticed by his master. Hold Jim Crow, said Mr. Shelby, whistling and snapping a bunch of raisins toward him. Pick that up now. Child scampered with all his little strength after the prize while his <laughs> master laughed. Come here, Jim Crow, he said. The child came up and the master patted his, the curly head and chucked him under the chin. Now, Jim... Show this gentleman how you can dance and sing. The boy commenced one of those wild, grotesque songs common among the Negroes in a rich, clear voice, accompanying his singing with many evolutions of the hand, yeah, evolutions of the hands, feet, and whole body, all in perfect time to the music. Bravo, said Haley, throwing him a quarter of an orange. Now, Jim, walk like old Uncle Cudjo. When he has a rheumatism, said his master. Instantly, the flexible ling- limbs of the child 
assumed the appearance of deformity and distortion, as, with his back humped up and his master's stick in his hand, he hobbled about the room, his child's face, face drawn into a, into a doleful pucker and spitting from right to left and in, in, in imitation of an old man. Both gentlemen laughed uproariously. <laughs> now, Jim, said his master, show us how old Elder Robinson leads the song. The boy drew his chubby face down to a formidable length and commenced toning the psalm tune through his nose within, with imperturbable gravity. Hurrah! Bravo! What a young man, said Haley. That chap's a case, I promise. Tell you what, said he, suddenly clapping the hands on Mr. Shelby's shoulder. Fling in that chap and I'll settle the business. I will. Come now, if that ain't doing, uh, if that ain't doing the thing up to be the rightest. At this moment, the door was pushed gently open, and a young quadruped woman, apparently about twenty-five, entered the room. There needed only a glance from the child to her to identify her as its mother. Its mother. Interesting. There was a there was there was the same rich, full, a man of humanity, dark eye with its long lashes, the same ripples of silky black hair. The brown of her complexion gave way on the cheek to a perceptible flush, which deepened as she saw the gaze of the strange man fixed upon her in bold and undistinguished admiration. Her dress was of the neatest possible fit. And the internet to- seems to think that a quadroon is a person who is one quarter black by descent. So how does that, if it's a mother and a son... Slave rape. Right, but wouldn't that change your percentile? Oh, I see what you mean. So, in other words, yeah, how, you become how, could like, a, how could a mother be a quarter You become black? an octoroon? Is that a thing? Is it? Okay. Um, but, it's a fair mathematical question. But they then, have, I'm just looking this up. They have names for every single fraction. Oh, really? It's really creepy. Wow. Okay. Uh, you want to go through but, it? Go through it. But no, I, guess I my, don't want to. My other question is, would Barack's kids not be considered quadroons then? Because they're a quarter white as opposed to a quarter black. I feel like the term itself is sort of antiquated. It is, but as far as the the math of it, I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, mm. I, I think mixed race is the general sort of like so these are all just term. completely unappropriate racist terms in general. Yes, probably at yes. the time. I don't know if they were racist. So no, to at speak. the time, everything was. I mean, everything was racist. But yeah, that they were. Everything was racist. Oh, right, because just by nature of whatever, yeah. there was, there was, it was inescapable. It was right in It's like saying face. colored, but mm. actually much worse, kind of. I mean, even Negro here. I mean, Negro is, a, is like a, it, the way it's used in the novel, at least, is almost— I remember when I came across it in— um, It's almost like the scientific Latin. Well, in The Sound like, of the Fury. It, the Sound of the Fury is a yeah. thing, because it's like um, the, the hard N was used a lot of the time throughout the majority of the book. And it's— it, it hits you like it hits you in the gut every single time. You know what I mean? The Just, hard especially N? now. Yeah, the hard N word. Uh, N word. Okay. Um, well, I've heard of like the well, soft R or the hard R. You know what I'm saying? Like Negro versus the N word, basically. Oh, that's that's a hard N. There's no just, d- just differentiation. You know my my okay. point is when I was reading the sound of the yeah, yeah. at a certain point, the narrator comes in at the end of the novel. Mm. And uses the term Negro for the first time in the whole fucking novel. Oh. The entire time it had been like the N-word, the, the, the majority of it. And it was, a, it was sort of a, a very interesting usage. It was specifically placed there, mm. um, which I think is a similar thing. You know, what, 
50 years earlier in in this in Uncle Tom's Cabin because if you notice the narrator says Negro and yet the the current slave masters who mm. are who are like bartering between these human beings yeah. are using the 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 hard end as, gotcha. as I'm going to yeah, from here there is a some somehow like a uh, a class difference or a character is or I guess a perspective difference on or a respect difference, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I guess, and, and that's kind of my point, like in the same way that, that, that Joe used it, colored or like even quadroon is, is like even the, the term mulatto, which is like pretty, you know, not cool to say nowadays. Um, in, in many ways at a certain point was like, you know, just a, a, a respectful differentiation yeah. of a human in, being. Uh, in Spanish, they still use mestizo, which, mestizo? Is, pr- which is pretty much a mixed race. Okay. So, I mean- um, but I also thought this was interesting because obviously I'm a Jew. I have to keep comparing myself to, sorry to do this. You don't but, have to be but, so self-loathing uh, about it. Well, I, I, I apologize for internalizing and making it about <laughs> making myself. Making everything about being. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the point is the Nuremberg laws reminded me of this. That's, mm. that's why I had such a crazy reaction to the word quadroon. It's not necessarily that it's antiquated. It's that it's defining such you based specifics. on how many grandparents of yeah. yours are. What kind of- oh, I see. Yeah. So it's like the Nuremberg. I remember, yeah. like how many grandparents, you know, and they have the little charts. She's got a, a eugenics. Child, though. I uh, thought it was the, um. No, they're different. What, wait, what did you say before? Nuremberg laws. The laws, sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought, for some reason, I think of trials. I thought you said trials. They're all related. Well, yeah. Before and after. <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, in this case, the laws came after the trials. No, that's incorrect. The Nuremberg Laws? Yeah, Nuremberg Laws were enacted by the were Nazi Germany early on in the 30s. Yeah. Nuremberg Trials were for the war criminals after the war. Oh, then I'm totally... What were the Nuremberg Laws then? That's about like... Exactly what was talking about. Saying, yeah. like, 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 like they would say, like, okay, if you're a quarter Jewish, you lose all your property or whatever. Oh, yeah. shit. They okay. broke down specifically, like, what would happen. There's, gotcha. there's actually a pretty I'll good show HBO you a movie. Flow chart of- there's a pretty good HBO movie directed by Kenneth Branagh, actually, about that. that it was like a... It was just a, a conference in mm. in like a castle in in Nazi Germany, right? I'd never seen it. That's interesting. It's pretty good. Not yeah. a castle. It's like a house, like an estate or whatever. Okay, but looks like some D. I feel like it's shit. called conspiracy, but that doesn't sound right. Everything's a conspiracy. Kenneth, oh, whatever. I'll see Kenneth Branagh. I love him. All right, um, but you see what I mean? It's yeah, like, okay. I can't, can't really make out much of it. Well, it's just saying how many yeah, grandparents yeah. you can see here. Yeah, are, are white or black? That's all. So. Or Jewish or not Jewish, whatever. Did I miss a thing where I don't present I don't want to make it. Um, but bark, bark, bark. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, Jeez. Do you want? Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I want to talk about maybe the origin of the term Uncle Tom, but we haven't Go really, for we it. Haven't really read Please. enough, honestly, to know much I, about I don't character. know that we will. I imagine he's the character, the main character in this, who is sympathetic and, and uh, as they described, You have loyal. not read this before? Devout and loyal. Yeah. Uncle Tom's story, Uncle Tom's cabin is the story of the slave Tom, devout and loyal. He is sold and sent down south where he must endure brutal treatment at the hands of the degenerate plantation owner, Simon Legree. So he's loyal. He's loyal and devout. To maybe the point of excess. To fault. Hence Uncle Uncle Tom. Mm. Um, Oh, he's loyal to his slave masters. Exactly. Gotcha. Presumably. I mean, that's what it says in the back and that's, in context, yeah, it makes sense in yeah. terms of how we use it. It's sad how little we know about. Well, I mean, I 
I can't place it, but I seem to recall a, a recent quote of someone saying uh, you know, something in defense of Uncle Tom and the idea of Uncle Tom and saying that Uncle Tom was the hero of the story. Um, yeah, he probably yeah, is. He sounds well, like he's the, he's the protagonist of the story. I mean, I, I'm not really sure what happens, whether hero is the right word, but... He's got his yeah, own cabin. Okay. <laughs> Presumably. It's more than I got. Uh, or he lives in a cabin. It's probably not his. I doubt he owns anything. As he is a slave. Um, at this moment, the thing got a ding. Oh, sorry. Um, at this moment, the door was pushed gently open, and a young quadroon woman, apparently about twenty-five, entered the room. Uh, they need only a glance. Blah blah blah. blah. Um. Well, Eliza said her master as she stopped and looked hastingly at, uh, hesitatingly at him. I was looking for Harry, please, sir. And the boy bounded toward her, showing her spoils, which he had gathered in the skirt of his robe. Well, take him away then, said Mr. Shelby. And hastily she withdrew, carrying the child on her arm. By Jupiter, says the trader, turning on him in admiration. There's an article now. You might make your fortune on that gal in Orleans any day. I've seen over a thousand in my day. Paid down for gals not a bit handsomer. I don't want to make my fortune on her, said Mrs. Shelby, dryly, and seeking to turn the conversation. He uncorked a bottle of fresh wine and asked his companion's opinion of it. Jerry, what do you think so far? Sounds like our food's here. It's okay. I'm not super, uh, I'm not paying attention enough, to be honest, because I'm looking, oh, I'm looking online. History. Yeah, that's, yeah, my yeah. And I, that's my fault. I just always obsess with history, so I have to Google stuff. Well, no, it's important. But, um... It's good. I, I'm. I mean, I haven't really. To think in the context. I mean, I my my guess is that it, because it's so humanizing, it's a it's a powerful thing to think about at the time. Yeah, that, that's I, what that's what the whole question hinged upon. It feels like also. I mean, imagine you live in the north, right? You're just not exposed to slavery at all. Like you have no idea. That's not true. Well, I'm not I don't not think necessarily. But it's not. It wasn't. A, let's say you live in Maine. How would you know what it's like to be a slave? You're not traveling to the South. There's no You wouldn't know what, what it would be like. You're right. But I mean, it's, it's, I know it, it, it just feels wrong to, to, to not think that they were profiting off of the backs of that whole, you know what I mean? Like there, the, there were the, the, there were still the, the economic sort of fruits of the labor when it comes to the manufacturing and all that stuff still going on. Yeah, but how much different like is everybody- that than us taking advantage of countries where people are willing to work for absolutely nothing? I mean, it's not How exactly much is owning slavery. a human being versus property? Gee, let me fucking. Fi- I mean, as far as the mentality of the people benefiting from it. So, yes, we don't have the exact slavery that we had, but we still keep people oppressed. We keep people uh, very underpaid at you know what are considered slave wages, and we don't acknowledge that. I mean, we, I'm just saying that we have a ability to separate ourselves from that, and I think that the people in the North would have very easily been able to separate yeah, themselves. I, no, I agree. I think that's my point, is that this book serves as that you know, that wake up call for a lot of people who really aren't thinking about it, just going about their daily lives and don't give a shit about anything else. They're, yeah. you know, just working on the farm every day. They're not, they don't read the fucking newspapers and, you know, there's no fucking Fox News. Thank God. Although it'd be interesting to hear about the Fox News in the 1860s. She's always so quick to call me a racist. No, it, I, I definitely wasn't <laughs> thinking that. I mean, I, I, I understood your point. It was still that just, 
there, there's there was no comparison. That's all is the is the issue. But it, other than the fact that the the mentality of of um overlooking the atrocities that are going on mm-hmm. throughout the planet is it's totally valid. And I knew the that status that was your, quo. <laughs> I know that that was your main point, um, which I acknowledge and agree with. Wow, you guys are so serious. Super serial, sir. It's Uncle Tom's Cabin. What are we going to fucking make jokes about it? Tried to. I know you did. You did. And willfully, sir. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. I liked it. Yeah? Are you going to read it now? I don't have time, but yes. Okay. Be sure to check out all the shows at uh, fallcast.com. We've got Text Before Calling, Going Down on South Park, Power Tinkering, this show you just listened to, literally, 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 literary. And also the return of Wild Wild Westworld. Um, yeah, join us, won't you? Subscribe. Maybe give us a rating. That'd be nice. Five stars, I appreciate. And also, you know, tell a friend. I'm sorry. If tell we, an enemy. I'm sorry if we offended anybody. We try our best. That's nice of you. I assume I offend people. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry. I apologize too, I guess. We try. <laughs> I think it was fine. I want to learn. I want to learn. I think that's true. The context is fine. You come from a, a place of... Mm. Yeah. Meh. Bye.